This is Ellen Latson. I played Ruby Sue in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and you're listening to the Gravity Beard Podcast. Do you take your cell phone into the bathroom? No, I thought you'd ask me this one. Time to check show. Welcome, everyone, to the Gravity Beard Podcast. This is episode 35. We're recording today in Studio A. Thank you, as always, to our listeners. We appreciate your continued support. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Ginny Sirisvati. There is no way I said that correctly. Ginny is Sri Lankan by birth, but grew up in Melbourne, Australia, after migrating there as a child with her family. She's also the host of The Ginny Show, which features the triple threat of curry, comedy, and connectivity. It packs an amazing amount of insight and entertainment into a bite-sized show. Ginny is one of the most engaging and hilarious guests we've ever had on. You'll enjoy hearing her explain how she pulls off her very ambitious production. You're also going to hear both of us use the word tinkle. Hope you enjoy. This is the Gravity Beard Podcast. Ginny Sarasvati, welcome to the Gravity Beard Podcast. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Tell us what your show is about. Well, my show is about curry comedy and connectivity, which sounds like a recipe for a, a new kind of dish that's coming out, which is not, unfortunately, but... Um, so it's a kind of a combination of, of, I'm Sri Lankan and I grew up in Australia. Um, I'm, my family actually migrated to Australia when I was two. So the podcast is about the trials and tribulations of having a Sri Lankan family. That's where the comedy comes into it and the curry, obviously. And um, it, just the themes that it brings up uh, between the East and the West. And even though they may seem really diverse and really contrasting, there's actually themes um, that come up uh, for us as humans that connect us. So that's where the connectivity comes in. So I kind of use my stories to kind of uh, say how I got through life and probably had little drops of wisdom for people to, to go through and, and use and apply to their life. Based on my deep understanding of Sri Lankan history, <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, very, very deep, you, your family must have moved as a result of the Civil War in the late 80s. That's absolutely right. I'm very good history. Um lesson there that you've actually clearly partaken in uh yeah so well, that was one of the reasons and i think also um it, my mother especially wanted um because you know i've she had two girls she wanted us to have the best possible education and the best possible i guess chance at life to what probably they did so the civil war was probably a catalyst to move over but that was that was a majority of the reason yes so is it because of proximity what made australia the the destination well, my mother is one of ten, hence the uh, 170 cousins joke and the uh, aunties. In there. Actually, when we moved to Australia, it's because my mum's eldest sister was living here and she was planning on, on bringing all the family over. So we've got seven out of ten of my mum's family here in Australia already. You've been in broadcasting and entertainment for over a decade. What led you at this point in your career to start a podcast about your life story? I was doing broadcast radio I was having lots of fun obviously being on air and there's nothing quite like live to air radio because the adrenaline and the news and the, the guests and everything that you get to share with your audience for me I wanted to start this podcast because I felt it was time for me to firstly branch out on my own um, I loved working in an organization but I kind of also wanted a little bit of creative freedom as to what I could say 
and do. Not that I didn't have that before, but obviously when you're working for an organization, there's certain rules and regulations is what you can and can't say. Not that I was saying anything obscene anyway on air. I was pretty, pretty vanilla when it came to those things. But I think for me, um, it was just about creating a bit of visibility for and accessibility for, for people of, for women of color. And there's no really, from what I know, unless I'm from, I'm from what I've Googled, there's no really Sri Lankan gay role models out there. And I didn't have any growing up. So I thought to myself, well, you know, there's, there's some stories here that I could share and there's stories here that I could actually relate to people with. So let's give it a go and have some fun. And, and I started that in September. And so far, I haven't looked back. So this podcast marks the, the next chapter in your career as an entertainer. I, I think so. And it, it seems to be the case. I thought, oh, okay, I'll just use it as a side hustle. But it actually, as you probably know, too, it takes up a lot of time in your day. And, and I like that. Uh, I'm going to somehow figure out how to use the phrase side hustle in the future. <laughs> what do you want to accomplish with your show? What's the primary purpose? Uh, to be honest, people are like, oh, you know, you should think about monetizing and that kind of thing. Look, if that comes, it comes. But I genuinely love connecting with people like yourself. I mean, we're having this conversation as a result of the podcast. This conversation would not even be existing if it wasn't for the Ginny Show. I just genuinely love connecting with different people, talking to them. And also, I think for me, I just love hearing – if I do a podcast and someone says to me, look, you know what, I actually said no to a certain request that was made of me the other day and – made me feel a little bit more empowered and given me the encouragement to draw a few boundaries in my life and now I'm a little bit happier I mean it could be I know it's not just my podcast that's let them to do that but if that is again a catalyst to let them or to allow them to take that step in their life that for me is is why I do it I think um I think I'll continue to do it till I'm I'm 60 I, I love podcasting your show does a great job of telling your story. So while we will discuss some of that, it's impossible not to. <laughs> I want to spend our time going behind the scenes of your show to discuss how it originated and kind of the creative process behind it. Uh, you know what? That's a really, really good question because I remember at the start of it, I, I took a couple of classes. I'm like, what should I do? What should I call it? And I think, you know, I think from a branding point, if I were to call, you know, if you were to call something the Ginny Show, People would be – it's not really, a, I guess, a, a solid, uh, wide – net. how do I say it? It's, it's not really a name that it reaches lots of people. People d- didn't know who I was. So when I said the Ginny Show, they're like, well, what's this about? It's kind of a little bit elusive in its way. But I think um, because the story is about my story growing up and, and the stories that I go through in day-to-day, I think that that title felt apt. So – even though I was advised by a few people not to use that name, I kind of, I've kind of not been one to follow the herd in my whole life. And there was a moment in my in, in the planning process where I was like, maybe I should call it something else. But another part of me said, no, you, you, you've never really followed what people tell you to do. So just, just do what feels instinctively and intuitively right. So I went for the Ginny show. And the planning process of it, I thought, well, somehow I, I've got so much – I've got family that I see and and who give me so much content and essentially they're the butt of my jokes and give me so much humor. I thought, well, I need to incorporate this somehow and put some other things in there. So essentially to keep keep people coming back, you know, you give them a little bit of comedy, you give them a little bit of, you know, a lesson or a theme in there that they can relate to and, and we can realize how we connect together. No, I actually think the title's great, and I think it is very appropriate. It's, it fits perfectly with what you do on the show, so I, I, I'm glad that you went that direction. Thank you. I wanted to ask this question. 
How did you come up with the idea originally? Was there a single moment in time when, when the idea struck you or did it evolve over time? It actually evolved over time. I um I have a whiteboard in my room that I look at every day with, with some goals and stuff. And I wrote, I just wrote the Ginny show and I wrote, okay, well, what do I want to put in there? And and it, it, over time it developed. I put like different words. I'm like, okay, it's not gelling. And then finally, when it was like family stories, um, you know, spiritually infused themes and what connects us all, I'm like, all right, bang, curry comedy connectivity. There we go. So it was over time. I, I had to talk to a few friends about it. I'm like, well, I want to incorporate, you know, some family themes. It took a while. But finally, when it flowed, it kind of was like, okay, this is it. So each episode does have a theme, and you match that theme up with a part of your story. Which comes first, the theme or the anecdote? The theme comes first. I think um, sometimes we we look at – how do I say this? I was watching this documentary the other day, and it talked about human behavior where we tend to express ourselves on a surface form, where we could be like, oh, you know, I have a, a relationship with – with food or I have a relationship with how I see myself. You may, be, you may express it as, oh, you know, I, I have trouble maintaining my diet or I have trouble um, juggling my work, but really there's inherent problem of, of boundaries and inherent problem of self-respect in there. So I think um, looking at all that, these are themes that come up every day. So I start with a theme and I kind of peel back the layers and get back to, okay, how did my story start with this particular theme? And then I look at my friends and others and how they, it's very similar. It's just expressed in a different way. So each episode is under 20 minutes. In fact, some are as short as 12 minutes. How did you decide on that length? I kind of want it to be a little, uh, I guess if you want to call it, a friend of mine calls certain things like this a spiritual enhancer. If I had kept it for too long, I feel that I, I just wanted to keep it to a length that was a way that you could digest, that you could laugh about and take away with you. And it just gives me enough to come back to that theme and peel it more. Because some of the themes I actually explore are quite, they can be quite dense and quite deep in a way that there's so much, so many things that we can actually do with it. So I just want to give people just enough to be like, oh, yeah, this is nice. This is funny. This is a bit of a laugh. And then they'll come back and we can keep peeling back the layers as much as possible. Yeah, because, you know, 30 minutes is considered a short podcast in today's world. Yeah. But, but, you, but you've dialed yours back even under 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. How did you decide on the style of the show? Um, the style kind of came, it came a little bit later because I'm like, okay, well, I've got the family stories here. I've got, you know, the, the theme I want to bring up to explore. And I didn't know if, because normally from being from a radio background, what I'm used to is the interview magazine style process where you talk to someone and you answer and you talk to someone and you answer and then, you know, you continue on with the show. It's quite mechanic in that way. But I think for me, um, I wanted to make a storytelling because I wanted to feel like you were coming on a journey with me. So if you were to close your eyes and listen to the Ginny show with the sound effects and the, the caricatures and everything, it probably feels like a little cartoon sometimes. Some people have said to me, it kind of feels like you're sitting in my back pocket and you're coming along this journey with me. I kind of wanted that personal touch um, and I wanted that to come through as much as possible. So that's why the narrative is said in first person, which is I kind of take you on a journey with me and it kind of feels like, oh, I can see myself in this person. I think that's the... I think it, with humanity in general, that's the best way to connect with people, to be like, well, this is my story. I can kind of see, do you see your story in mine? And I think that's why I've, I've got the narrative the way that it is. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a great description of your show. I think it does a really terrific job of, of creating a word picture. The, the way that you do your show, I can picture it so clearly, I almost feel like I'm watching a television show versus listening to a podcast. <laughs> Thank you. I try to keep it as visual as possible. No, absolutely. It's, it, to me, it's very vivid. And I, I feel like I know exactly what these what these characters are like. So speaking of that, you know, your show is very well produced. It has music, it has sound effects, it has characters, it has different voices. It takes a lot of talent to pull something off like that. T- tell us how it all comes together. Thank you. I have to give all the producing wizardry to my my producer, Sam. He, I call him Genie because I think he's exactly that. I have a wish and he makes it come true. He's he, I, I'm actually, I think when you go through, when you work with different producers and you work with different talent in the industry, when you find that producer who can actually just get you and you can get to a point in your relationship where you don't need to even have a conversation about where you're taking the content or where you're taking the story, it's a perfect marriage of, of podcasting really. And, and I have to give all of, all, all of the credit to him because I send him the script, I send him the voices. I'm like, Jeannie, do your thing. And that's exactly what he does. There's, always, there's sometimes where he just puts things in there. He goes, oh, I put this down in there. I don't even question it anymore because I know he just gets the story. And um, I'm very blessed that I have him and other members of my team as well who, who really do get the, the intention behind the project. Yeah, what, what a terrific creative and collaborative partnership that is. It, it's, it's very handy to have that, I have to say. I'm, I'm very blessed that, that I met um, Jeannie. And then he came in and he's like, yep, I'll do this. And it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So do you do all the writing for the show? Yes, I do. So I do all the writing. Um, I generally love going to family parties to create inspiration. <laughs> and I listen to phone conversations and I kind of observe what happens. And, and my cousins have been great too, the ones that I am close to. They'll, they'll jump in and do a few voices for me. They're like, oh, again? I'll just send them a text going, hey, can you do a voice for me? Like, sure. They'll always, they're always willing to get their auntie on, which is awesome um so yes i do i do all the writing and um i have help from a couple of people who go oh maybe you should explore this theme who um help me come up with the themes because sometimes i struggle because you know you have weeks where you're kind of in your own bubble and you're like oh what do i write about or what should i talk about and um i kind of look at my friendship circle and they'll express to me something that they're going to i'm like okay that's the theme i need to talk about so how many different people do you have doing voices for the show and who, uh, and who does the who does the voices <laughs> So I I do most of the voices. So I do obviously myself and and my mother. Um, I uh, have a little cousin family member who does the little version of me. Yeah, whoever does that is fantastic. By the way, she is very talented, and any chance to be dramatic, like, and she loves if I say to her, "Looks hair like this," she'll be like, "Okay." She loves it. Loves it. Um, and she's a natural. I, she is a natural. My cousins do it. I got a couple of friends who jump on from here and there as well. So I'm very. I'm very blessed to have a group of people who, as soon as I say, do you mind doing a voice, it's always a yes. Um, you know, my friends Kate, Kim, Emma, Jess, they all just jump in, Sebastian, they're like, yep, we'll do it. That's totally fine. <laughs> so before you launched the show, how much of it did you have mapped out ahead of time? To be honest, I probably had about three episodes mapped out. And um, it got to a process where I kind of wanted to keep the show themes as topical as possible. I generally like to write my podcasts Probably weekly. It drives my producer crazy, the poor guy, but he, he's a legend at putting it together because he's very, very quick. No, yeah, I was going to say, I, I, was, I was prepared for you to say that you had about 10 episodes in the can before you <laughs> launched this thing because, because in order to pull off what you pull off, 
that's incredibly ambitious to do it on a weekly basis, especially since not far into your show starting, you added the Monday edition. Yeah, that that has definitely uh, made my side hustle a little bit more prominent to, I guess... It's, it's very close to my main hustle now, let's just say. Well, I was going to say, you know, you're calling it your side hustle. How do you have time for a primary hustle? <laughs> okay, so my next question is, and maybe I think I, may, I might know. So do you record more than one episode at a time when you, when you have everyone together or, or are you recording them weekly? I'm recording them weekly. So That's I'll, incredible. <laughs> it's, look, I'm cutting it thin, aren't I? I'm cutting it very thin. <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. <laughs> I've got to say, Toph, yeah, I'm, I'm cutting it very, very thin. So I'll script it up and I'll send the voices to producers and I'll actually voice it the very day I script, finish scripting it because it's fresh in my mind. I'm all hype on it and I can bring that energy into the, the audio. Okay, so give us a rundown of the recurring characters on your show, at least up through, you know, like the first 10 or 12 episodes. Right. So the characters on my show, so you've got me, which is uh, little old me doing my thing, um, a curry chubby girl growing up in Sri Lanka. Um, sorry, growing up in Australia, moving from Sri Lanka. Um, so that, that's me. And then there's my mother, who is this beautiful soul who's extremely, extremely overprotective of her daughters. I don't know if you've realized that in the, the first 10 episodes, but, um. And I you refer to your mother as? As Ami. So Ami okay. is her name. So Ami is a, a Sri Lankan or, or Tamil name of, of addressing your mother. Um, with, with Ami, the, what I really wanted to achieve with her is there's a, a caricature of Sri Lankan mothers out there that they are overly dramatic and overly protective. And I think with Ami, I kind of wanted to give her, even though she was those things with me, she also was a very wise soul and a very loving soul. So I kind of, as funny and ridiculous as her, her <laughs> the things that she says about parenting can be, she did have a lot of wisdom to her, which had a huge impact on me. So that, that's Ami. Um, then there's little me, so it's a version of me growing up and how I observe life. And there's still a part of me that I, I feel, I feel my inner child, especially when I'm scripting, is a lot more alive. And especially in my day to day, I, I, I kind of consider myself as 31 going on three. I think that's why I love hanging out with kids and, and uh, my friends think I'm a big kid stuck in an adult's body. Um, the other characters I have, you know, I, I bring, up, bring up bosses from my past who weren't particularly nice to me. So they're, they're basically the characters that come up in a nutshell. Okay, so you've left out one that I've heard come up uh, a number of times that I really like, and that's your best friend. Oh, Chingling! Oh, so how Chingling. can I forget this? Oh, look at you. Ch- Chingling will love that you remember that top. She's going to be like, see, you should call it the Chingling show now. See, the fact that you've remembered that, she's going to be making it about her. At least call it the Chingling and Jenny show. Yeah. <laughs> You don't give her the whole thing. That's, I can't believe I forgot Chingling because um, I was too busy thinking about the family. But Chingling, absolutely. Um, she uh, was someone who brought me out of my shell. I used to be very quiet till I met her. So Chingling is, is, is one of those people who, uh, who keep me laughing and who keep me inspired with the themes as well. Yeah, she clearly plays a vital role. There's no question. Yeah. <laughs> and I almost feel like the inner child is its character all on its own. Isn't that funny? What, what, what makes you think that? Is it because she um, has so much of the narrative and she comes up quite a bit? You, you know, I, I don't know. I just, you, you know, you've, you've got uh, kind of uh, older you and then you've got younger you and then you've got the inner child, which, you know, at different times you've, you've given it greater or lesser emphasis in certain episodes and it just takes on a life of its own. You, you paint such a vivid picture. It, it just kind of seems like its own, its own character. Mm, the inner child for me, um, writing from that purity can be... Um, it's it's quite refreshing, really, to go back to that place of 
what's so pure and wholesome and, and fun. And I guess as a child, you see things a lot more bigger and grander than, than what you do now. You kind of feel this in a way. It's kind of nice to actually relive that part of you and, and really, you know, really tap into your creativity and have, have, have fun with it. At what age did you discover you weren't too fond of science and instead loved the Spice Girls? <laughs> um, it was when I was 13, 14. I remember in year eight science class sitting there in, in the back of, we had a lab there in, in our school. And I remember sitting at the back of our lab thinking, I really hate this topic. I really don't like, you know, Bunsen burners and, you know, all these experiments and hypotheses. I'm like, I really do not care. I remember going home. And I said to Ami, Ami, I, I, I don't, and I broke the news to her that I didn't, didn't want to be a doctor. And I think that comes up in one of my episodes, which she took. She took hard at first, but I think, I think it's that mentality of, of an immigrant family is that they want to provide for their kids as much as possible, that they feel the high profile jobs and the high stature jobs in society are, are the best option to take because that's the best way that you can, you know, be okay in life. <laughs> I think uh, with with Ami, uh, so the Spice, that's when I discovered I love the Spice Girls more prominent. I mean, the Spice Girls were out for a few years, but I think I'm like, you know what? I met Chingaling too, who was very outgoing, and I started doing theatre, and I'm like, I think I'm more of an arty person. So that was the, the shift in my uh, academic mentality. You departed from cultural expectations pretty early in life. Mm, mm, I did. It, that was, I think for me, that that part of it was a sticky part of my growing up because when you're going through it, when you're going to a Catholic school, there's already um, religious implications put out in front of you or religious beliefs and teachings put out in front of you. And, you know, we had a day at school, which was an RE day, which was a day where you talk about God and Jesus and stuff. And my mum was obviously very Catholic and there's obviously cultural um, expectations and traditions there as well. So I, I kind of, even though I was going along with it, there was something about, as cheesy and corny as this sounds, there's really no other way of saying there was a part of me that was not adding up and a part of me that was missing, which I could further explore when I left high school and got into university and kind of went out on my own. So your mom plays a very prominent role in the show, whether she likes it or not. Mm-hmm. How has she processed these various departures you made along the way? I think for my mom, uh, one beautiful thing about her is she has always encouraged me to be happy. Um, and I think for her too, she's she's gone through things in her life which traditionally wouldn't be seen as uh, the ways to be happy or the ways to be accepted in, in Sri Lankan society as well. She's kind of had her own, her, her own battles herself as well. So I think when I have said to her, um, you know, I want to do this or I want to do that or, you know, I want to kind of do things that don't, necessarily would be it wouldn't necessarily be what a Sri Lankan child would say to her mother she's been she's been very open to that because she does you can probably tell from the podcast she absolutely loves her children and um I think the influential part of her also is that she did the best that she could with the you know she was a single mother in a new country she did she spoke broken English but she she managed to wing whatever she needed to wing in the way that she needed to um I think she did the best that she could in terms of raising us. And these themes of overprotection and, and things that came up, I can now look at it from a point of, okay, well, that's what Ami did in the best way that she could, but this is what I learned from it. So does that answer your question? Or did I totally like do a politician line on you there? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Well, my, you know, my question was, is 
you know, you, you made your first departure from from cultural expectations very early. Yeah. But but then you continue to do that. Mm. And so and your your mother is very traditional and had those cultural expectations on you. So how did she how did she adjust or react to those different departures along the way from from gotcha. the time you from the time you did it the first time to to even recently? I think when I told her I wanted to do arts, that was the ca- that's what broke the camel's back, and the rest is like, oh, here we go, is another one. <laughs> so, so she reacted not quite as strongly each time because it was more, yeah, it was I more think, predictable. I think for a, a, a Sri Lankan parent, that's the best way to break other news. You start with the Korean news first. If you're gonna let them down, start there. Tell them you're not gonna be a doctor. Everything else is like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I could see that. Has she seen the show? What does she think about it? She unfortunately haven't. My mother and I actually you're the first person I'm sharing this. My mother's actually um she's going through early stages of dementia at the moment. Yeah. Very sorry to hear that. That's okay. No, that's okay. So it's actually it's lovely to have this little tribute to her um in a way and to kind of remember her in a way that I did as a kid and, and obviously in her years where she was of for want of a better word sound mind. But I do sometimes play it for her and she does smile and she giggles to it. I don't know if she knows it's about her, so she's laughing at herself, but. Let's just say the blissful ignorance is, is accepted <laughs> the way that it is, and, and I'll accept the joy and the laugh coming from her. And sure, like. yeah, absolutely. Your theme song is is incredibly catchy. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I listen to an episode, it sticks with me for days. That's honest. That, that's I'm not I'm not just giving you false flattery. That's all the genius. Uh, all the genius. Yeah, it's it, it's incredibly catchy. So where did that song come from? Um, again, I um, said to the genie. Uh, Sam, when he was, I'm like, okay, I need a jingle. He's like, all right, cool. Um, he goes, leave it with me. Uh, and he wrote me an email. And it's funny that you're saying this because he goes, I've got the perfect tune for you. Believe me, it's freaking catchy. It, you won't get out of your head for days. And truth be told, when you, when we're having this conversation now, I'm like, okay, yep, he's right. There's so many times where people say, I can't get that damn theme song out of my head. I've been singing it for days. I'm like, see, he was right. Yeah. It's all I'm going to credit it to him because it's all his idea and all his magic and all he's doing. So he wrote it, came up with a tune, produced it, everything. Uh-huh. He did that. With him, he's like, okay, I need to capture the essence of you in the song. It's fun. It's funny. It's boppy. So that's what he did. Yeah, it's terrific. I absolutely love it. A question related to that. I just want to ask people, does a spontaneous dance party break out every time the theme song is played? <laughs> that would be cool. Maybe there's some place in Sri Lanka where there's like a Bollywood breakout. So I want to give a little gift to my listeners, and that's exactly what we're going to do right now. I'm going to turn on your theme song, and we're and, and it happens to be it happens to be just under 30 seconds, and we're going to have a little 30 second dance party. We're just going to pause our interview and allow our listeners to just break out into spontaneous dance. Are you ready? Awesome, I'm ready. Sprinkler's ready. Thanks for humoring me. That definitely scratched an itch. I think we can. I think we can continue the interview now. I think all of the listeners probably enjoyed a spontaneous thirty-second dance party. So let's keep going. Tell our audience what you call your Monday episodes. Monday mocha. Monday mocha, or in the U.S., we would say Monday mocha. <laughs> Where did that idea come from? Because I drink a hell of a coffee. I'm like, I need to. I need to incorporate this somehow. I wanted people to start their week um, with a different attitude. 
And coffee is obviously a very, I think coffee's, I read a stat that coffee is drunk the most on Monday. I may have made that up. But um, I just thought, all right, let's all have a Monday mucker with someone pretty inspirational and go into our week with that energy. So that that's where it started. And you you found yourself with a big block of free time. The show is so easy to produce. I'm going to squeeze in a second weekly episode. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I can do. So now, so now it's a twice a twice a week show. No problem. I'll no just problem. my producer will handle this easily. <laughs> exactly. That's the end of the main portion of the interview. Are you ready for some quick hits? Absolutely. What's a quick hit? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> with most of the interviews that I do, I ask a series of questions. It's kind of like your Monday Mocha series, except it's a little bit more fast-paced. So just give me as long of an answer as you want, but it's intended for just brief, spontaneous answers to each of the following questions. Are you ready? Ready. You and I are recording this on a Monday. It's also going to air on a Monday. Yeah. So in the spirit of a Monday Mocha, I'm going to borrow a couple of questions of yours. (laughs) We're going to start quick hits like this. Okay. Do you use the snooze button? I do. I'm trying to get out of the habit. Sometimes I succeed and I get more done in my day when I don't use a snooze button, but... Me and sleep, we have a battle of, of trying to, to find a balance. And I'm like, can you just let me get up? No, 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 no. No, it's, it's, and usually sleep wins, let's just say. Okay, so how often do you hit the snooze button? I would say three times a week. It used to be seven, but I've gotten down to three. With me and my inner child, the, the fact that my inner child loves sleep, uh, I will sleep an extra two hours. So that's not a snooze. That's a nap. <laughs> do you take naps? No, no oh, sometimes I do if I'm absolutely exhausted, but no, I'm generally not a nap person. I would take a nap every day if I could. I absolutely love them. <laughs> it's a key, I think, to uh, keeping yourself uh, energetic throughout the day, having a power nap. Okay. Do you take your cell phone into the bathroom? No, I thought you'd ask me this one. I have to say I do sometimes. It's, it's Of course you do. Uh, I'm trying not to, but um, of course I do. I, I admit, I, I, have to, I have to answer these questions honestly. I, I owe it to you and, and, and my listeners as well, because my guests answer it honestly. So yes, I do. Well, well, I think I think it was Liz Bassey that, that said the same thing that I did. That I mean, come on, except for one of your guests that said no. <laughs> yeah. But everyone else takes their, takes their phone to the bathroom, right? <laughs> well, I find it's a productive time to do things. Is that a justification? That is a justification and a very poor one at that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your honest answer. Okay, so I'm going to get even more personal. Have you been in the bathroom any time you and I have corresponded? No, not at all. I think that's where I draw the line with interviews. (laughs) Well, not during the interview, but we've exchanged (laughs) a lot of messages via via Twitter. No, no. I just want to know. I haven't been in the bathroom for that. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. Fair, fair enough. Now, now in, in your interview with Anaya Day, when you asked this question, you asked a follow-up question, which I've never asked anyone, and that was, have you ever muted up your tinkle? <laughs> that's, that's my favorite. You've done a lot of great interviews already. I think that's my favorite question that you've ever asked any of your guests. Oh, look, I think it's relevant to mute the tinkle and, and also other things that need to be muted when you're in the toilet as well. But have I muted my tinkle? Yes, absolutely. But the question that you asked was, have you ever muted up your tinkle? Meaning, have you ever accidentally hit the button, the mute button oh. at the wrong time? <laughs> that was your question. You just phrased it, muted up your tinkle, which I thought the phrasing was terrific. I loved it. <laughs> muted up your but, the, but, but the question, because I've never heard it phrased that way, but the question was, have you ever accidentally muted or unmuted at the wrong time? Wrong time. Um, with my partner, yes, I have. And it's been, it's quite, it's still that moment of, oh God, did I just do that? I would not take business calls in the bathroom, no. <laughs> and just so you know, because I've now interviewed several people, yeah. 
I don't think I've ever said the word tinkle during an interview. <laughs> I, so there I you go. encourage that you do use it. It's quite funny. Well, I think I need to now. I just this is my test case. So and I think I think it's gone quite well. So I, now I might have to work the word tinkle into all my interviews. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm not I'm not sure how, but I'm going to sure try. <laughs> okay. So let's motor through some additional quick hits. What was your very first job? Uh, I worked at KFC as a, a team member. So, all right. Yeah. What was your first uh, driving experience? Uh, oh, it was with my sister. And uh, my sister's like a second mother to me. So she was telling me, uh, don't do that. Don't turn here. Don't turn left. Don't turn. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go hire an instructor. This is fine. <laughs> Did you get in trouble in school? No, I was a good girl. I only got detentions for stupid stuff like, oh, you didn't stick in this sheet of paper into your book. Or you didn't hand in your form on time. I'd get detention for stupid stuff like that, but I was a pretty good kid. If you could time travel, where and when would you go? Ooh, I'd love to go to the medieval times, just to like sit at a feast. Because the food there seems, the food spread seems insane. Have you come across a, a concept in the United States called medieval times? No. There's one in the city that I live in. It's called medieval times. And you go there and you watch a medieval oh. like tournament. Is, is that where you actually go and eat the food as well? I know there's one in Jersey. Mm-hmm. I, I think you might like it. I think I'm going to go there. I'm going to go back to medieval times. There you go. So coming away from my interview, that's your homework is to go to medieval times. Okay. I'm writing that one down. What TV shows are you watching these days, if any? Oh, I love How to Get Away with Murder. Love love Shondaland. Um, I love The Mindy Project. I, I think Mindy Kaling's just hilarious. I love Once Upon a Time. It's a Disney kid me. Um, those three, I absolutely love. I'm glad you mentioned the mini project because I couldn't figure out how to do it, but I was going to, I was going to pretend that I thought I was interviewing Mindy Kaling and see how long I could go before you caught on. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I didn't, I I didn't spend enough time thinking about how I could craft that, but I towed with that idea. (laughs) That's hilarious. Like like at one point I wanted you to call me out and say, whoa, 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 wait a second. (laughs) You think I'm, you think I'm Mindy Kaling? (laughs) And just be a really ignorant racial guy. Like, I, I don't know the difference. <laughs> but I couldn't figure out how to how to craft it the way I wanted to. Oh, wow. Anyway, now I kind of wish I would have because I think it would have gone well. <laughs> Do you like board games? Uh, I love board games. I wish I got to play more board games, actually. If you could choose a superpower, what would it be? Invisibility. It sounds really creeper, but I just, after watching Harry Potter, I'm like, well, that's handy. The amount of times I could sneak into like pantries and, and take food without people knowing, that that's pretty much the theme behind it. So you've thought about and answered that question before. <laughs> I've thought about the superpower before. I'm like, oh, if I was invisible right now, that piece of cake would have been mine. And then they're like, well, where did it go? Like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Who knows? <laughs> then you blame it on the dog. Exactly. <laughs> and now we're going to get into a little bit of Sri Lanka trivia. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Let's go for it. What's the national sport of Sri Lanka? Oh, cricket. Okay, so I guess bobsledding. So we were both wrong. <laughs> it's it's not it's neither bobsledding or cricket. Really, cricket cricket is an excellent guess. So although cricket is the most popular sport in Sri Lanka, believe it or not, the national sport of the country is in fact volleyball. Really? Consult the internet. That I will consult the internet. I'll also consult my cousins. Perhaps they will say the same thing. <laughs> well, that's a, that's assuming that your your cousins know the correct answer. <laughs> So you can, you can pitch your family against the internet if you like, but I'm going to I'm going to go internet. Awesome. Okay. So my second Sri Lankan question, which spice originated in Sri Lanka and was discovered by the Egyptians? Oh. 
This is a great question. I have no idea. I'm terrible at history. Um, I'm going to go for uh, some form of chili. Is it turmeric? Also a good guess, but the answer is cinnamon. Really? Yep. The, uh, the, the, oh, this is awesome. the, the spice cinnamon originated in Sri Lanka. Are you sure you're Sri Lankan? <laughs> Clearly not. Very yeah, that. now that I've asked you two questions that you've both gotten wrong, I'm, I'm afraid you may not be Sri Lankan at all. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. You've uh, successfully navigated quick hits. So we'll finish up this way. What does the future hold for Ginny Sarasvati? Um, I'm not sure, actually, but one thing I think I, I know will be in the future is there'll be a lot of laughs and there'll be a lot of, lot of food. Laughs and food. There you go. That's, that's a guarantee with me. Is there anything else you want to promote before we go? Um, no, I think you've covered everything. These are great questions. I, I've never been asked these questions before. This is fantastic. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Before we go, tell everyone where you want them to find you and your stuff. So if you go to com, everything is on there from my podcast to my blogs to silly faces that we tend to do with our guests, which I'll have to get you to do one too. Um, if you go onto the, the website and see that silly face and send me it so I can pop it on there as well. It's like my Hall of Fame. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to do that. Jenny, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the Gravity Beer Podcast. Thank you so much for having me and being so patient with the time zones and the daylight savings and the kangaroos and the oceans that that influence the time between us. But it's been an absolute pleasure. This has been one of my favorite interviews. So thank you so much for your insightful questions and the time that you've put into putting this together. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been a real thrill. I do have a minor update regarding our interns. There may be something to this concern about Lou leaving to join the carnival. He came to work the other day on a really tall unicycle. He's also been juggling flaming torches in the office. Melinda doesn't seem to care for it too much. I actually think it's kind of cool. Although he did accidentally light the carpet on fire, so that's not good. Hey, just want to ask you to check out the Not Historians podcast. It features two guys that have very little knowledge about history, but they do dive into fascinating topics. For example... I'll be appearing in an upcoming episode where we discuss the unsolved mystery of D.B. Cooper. You can listen to the Gravity Beard podcast on iTunes, Podbean, or anywhere else you consume podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at TheGravityBeard. And of course, we're on Facebook. You can also email us at contactthebeard at gmail.com. We definitely want to hear from you. And please stop by iTunes to subscribe to the show. Our theme song is Sophomore Makeout by Silent Partner. In the intro, we use the song Bumper Tag by John DeLay. You can find both of these songs by searching for them by name on the YouTube audio library. And now we're treating you to Quit in Time by Patrick Lee, CC by NCSA 3.0. You can search for him by name at freemusicarchive.org. Of course, we have some fun stuff coming up on the show. Next week, Grace and Scott are back as Grace shares her second bad date story. Then, the long-awaited appearance by our millennial correspondent, Ben Hines. A couple weeks after that, we'll be joined by children's author and professional merman, Mixter Hyde. And of course, that's not all. We have many other things for you to look forward to on the show. This is the Gravity Beard Podcast. It's what your ears will want to be listening to. This is the Gravity Beard Podcast. I kind of consider myself as 31 going on three. Loves and food. There you go. That's, that's a guarantee with me. Look, I think it's relevant to mute the tinkle. Thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm.